Get ready for the Macbeth Financial Focus, spotlighting Bloomington Normal's authorities for financial and retirement matters. Please welcome Krista Macbeth. Welcome to the Macbeth Financial Focus. My name is Krista Macbeth, president of Macbeth Financial Group. And a brief recap, if this is your first time tuning into our series, we are hosting a series with various professionals within our community that have um, areas of business that intersect with the financial planning. So today I'm very excited to have Chad Ritchie with us of Ritchie Law Firm. And we're gonna sit down and we're gonna talk about some of the misconceptions about estate planning. Um, and, and also some of the most common questions that you're asked on a regular basis. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about yourself because obviously we've gotten to know each other through working together with some mutual clients, um, participating in some of the same events throughout the community, but why don't you tell our viewers a, a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name's Chad Ritchie and I've been an attorney for 14 years and I practice as a solo uh, attorney at the Ritchie Law Office. And so most of my uh, practice is estate planning, probably over 50% of my practice is estate planning. I also do business law and real estate law. Okay. And he, he left out one of the most exciting things, which is that you just recently opened your own law firm here in town. Right. right. Yeah. So I started practicing law in 2005. Uh, I started out on my own and then I was on my own for about seven years. I merged my practice with another attorney, uh, another uh, firm in town and I was with them for about four years and then I've started back out on my own. So it's almost been one year that I've been back out on my own. Yeah, that's great. Now you happen to leave something very important out of your life. So I happen to know from your newsletter that you're a very proud dad yes. and husband. So why don't you tell the viewers a little bit about your family? Yeah, so I'm married to my wife, Kara. We've been together for 18 years. We were high school sweethearts, went to Illinois Wesleyan together. Uh, and so we were married uh, in 1998. Get this right, you're on camera. <laughs> I know, I know. She was a year behind me in school, so uh, as soon as she got, she graduated, we got married. Uh, we have two kids. I've got Addison, my daughter, who's uh, 13 years old, or 12 years old, excuse me. She's in seventh grade, and then uh, Jackson's my son, he's in fourth grade. So we're busy with uh, basketball, football, all kinds of sports, going to all of those types of things. Right. Kids seem to keep you very busy. Right. So let's talk a little bit about your law practice. So how did you choose kind of your specialty? You said more than 50% of your practice was estate planning. How did you choose that as yeah. your specialty? Uh, well, when I first started practicing law, I did mostly, uh, I, I had clients that did a lot of real estate and business. Mm -hmm. So that is my background. I also do banking law. Uh, when I practice, started practicing, uh, when I worked for an attorney, he did a lot of banking law, so when I went out on my own, uh, I also did a lot of banking law as well. Um, and then about five years ago, I started uh, concentrating and building up my estate planning practice uh, because I like, I like helping families, I like getting to know my, uh, my clients on a personal level, which estate planning does lend itself to. And I find that uh, families really appreciate the work that I do, so that's very satisfying to me. And that's what we're here to talk about today. So I guess um, we're definitely going to talk about some of the misconceptions in estate planning. Why don't you first talk to us about what an estate plan is and what the purpose of an estate plan is? Sure, sure. Well, an estate plan is, is something that you put together to show, to state where your assets go upon your death. Um, and so basically you can, you can think about it as leaving your legacy. Okay. Um, how, 
how, where do you want your assets to go, who do you want them to benefit, or what organizations do you want them to benefit? Okay, great. So I think a lot of times there's a misconception that only the rich need an estate plan. Right. Is that true? N uh, no, that's not true. That's probably one of the biggest misconceptions out there is that estate planning is only for the wealthy. Um, so like I said, everyone has assets. Everyone owns assets of some so one way or another. Um, people have homes, they have life insurance, most of them have a life insurance and a retirement account. Those are assets a lot of people don't think about as far as estate planning. Um, so when we go through that process of listing out their assets uh, in our first initial meeting, um, many people are surprised that their estate is worth a lot more than what they've expected. Just because there's not a lot of money in a, sitting in a bank account doesn't mean you, have, you don't have a large estate. Lots of items add up to be something much larger than what you may anticipate them being. All right. While we're talking about misconceptions, uh, I do have this uh, blog article I've written, Answers to 10 Frequent Estate Planning Questions. Uh, so this will talk about a lot of misconceptions and questions that most people have. I, um, I've put something together that answers a lot of the common questions people have. Okay, and we'll probably talk about a few of those today, but when we, when we talk about an estate plan, can you talk to us about the most critical components or the key components of that estate plan? Uh, sure, so a basic estate plan consists of a will and power of attorney for property and a power of attorney for health care. Um, if, if nothing else, those are the three basic things that people should have for an estate plan. Okay. Um, depending on your, your family situation and your financial situation, you may want a revocable living trust. Uh, that is uh, a trust that someone has when they're living and that they can put assets to and uh, there's lots of uh, estate planning techniques and tools and things that we can use uh, for taxes um, and, and for other things uh, for revocable with a, that you can use with a revocable living trust. Okay, um, so we talk about a will, we talk about the power of attorney for health care as well as financial being really important and I know that there's a lot of people that do not have these most basic instruments. So when we talk about the power of attorney for health care and especially financial because this is a financial focused topic, um, if I'm in the hospital and I'm incapacitated due to an illness or maybe an injury and I can no longer pay my bills and write my checks what happens? So uh, that is, I have, a, I have a, a whole seminar on planning for incapacity. So that's the scenario you're talking about is what happens uh, if you are mentally incapacitated and can no longer make decisions for yourself. So the two things that happen when you're mentally incapacitated is you, you lose control over your, your, yourself. Uh, so you can't make decisions on where you're living, uh, what kind of health care you're going to receive and that sort of thing. The other thing you lose control of uh, is uh, decisions, making decisions about your property. And so we have a property power of attorney for health care uh, to take care of the health care related decisions and a property power of attorney uh, for property financial related decisions. If you don't have those documents signed and done, then uh, we generally will have to go through a guardianship proceeding so that a court can appoint a guardian over your person and a guardian over your estate. Uh, to make those kind of decisions for you. And if you don't have those documents in advance, there's a chance that the person that is appointed may not be your first choice. Right. So the, the best thing about power of attorneys is that you're the one making those decisions. Who is the person that's going to be making those decisions on your behalf? You choose that person. In a guardianship proceeding, a court is the one making that decision. So um, 
essentially um, kind of a quick summary of what a guardianship proceeding is. It is uh, someone has to petition the court, so it would be maybe one of your family members or a friend mm -hmm. that would petition the court to say, I want to be so-and-so's guardian, and I think um, I'm fit to do that. So um, there has to be a lot of notices given. Um, there is an actual court proceeding that takes place. Uh, they have to present evidence um, to show that, they, that you're, in fact, incapacitated and need a guardian. Um, so there could be some family conflict over that if people don't uh, agree on who the guardianship should, guardian should be. Mm -hmm. um, and it generally will take at least 60 days for that process to happen. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it costs money, it takes time, and, and it could lead to family conflict. So power of attorneys are really simple documents in and of themselves, mm -hmm. and I highly recommend people have those. I was going to mention what you just said. A little bit of expense up front can save a lot of headache and greater expenses later. Correct. From not having to, to go down that path. So uh, let's talk about, I guess, the obvious. Who needs an estate plan? Who are the people that are the most at need for an estate plan? Um, well, I would say anybody that has children definitely need an estate plan. Um, anybody that's married needs an estate plan because if you don't have a will or, or a trust, um, then you're, going, you're relying on Illinois' estate plan. Uh, if you can even look up in the probate code of Illinois and it'll say who inherits your stuff when you die if you don't have a will. And so one of the biggest things people don't realize is if you're married and have kids, if you don't have a will, then half of your assets go to your spouse and half go to your children. Uh, which is not what most people would want for their estate plan in that situation. Most people would want it to go to their surviving spouse um, entirely and not half, it, half to their children. And so what do we, um, when we talk about, I guess, probate and what that means, is there, in Illinois, what is the, the limit where somebody does have to go through the probate process? Yeah, so the, another misconception is probate. What is it and how do you avoid it? So uh, probate is a court process where you transfer assets from someone who has died to their heirs. And so if you have a will, we look to your will to see where those assets go. If you don't have a will, then we look to Illinois law to see where those assets go. Uh, probate itself applies to probate assets only. Uh, that's another thing people don't understand. So when you look at your estate, uh, all of the assets that you own, those assets can be classified as either probate assets or non-probate assets. Probate assets are, are assets that you own in your name only that do not automatically transfer upon your death. So for an example of that, a bank account that's just in your name. If you die, that does not automatically transfer to someone. You have to, we have to look to your will or to Illinois law to see where that goes. Um, another example is jewelry or furniture, those things that are owned just in your name. Non-probate assets, on the other hand, are assets that do automatically transfer upon your death. So non-probate assets do not have to go through probate because they automatically transfer. So examples of these types of things are life insurance, mm -hmm. uh, retirement accounts that have beneficiary designations, any property that is jointly held with someone else that automatically transfers to the survivor, those types of things. So an example would be uh, your house. Uh, husband and wife own a house jointly. So upon this one spouse dying, the house is automatically inherited to the other spouse. So that is not an asset that would go through probate. So one thing that we look at when I sit down with clients is we look at their assets and we classify them as either probate or non-probate. Mm -hmm. And so that will be part of the whole estate planning um, structure is to see 
okay, what assets will automatically go through probate or uh, avoid probate and what assets would have to go through probate. So we can maybe reclassify their assets so that it avoids probate um, or um, maybe use some other estate planning techniques to avoid probate. Yeah, you brought up a really good point about the non-probate assets because I see this a lot in my financial planning practice where um, someone will have one child listed as their beneficiary because they believe that their will is going to supersede that beneficiary designation and they think that they're leaving their money to their four children when realistically they're not in that instance they've left it to one child and although that child may know what the parents wishes are legally that money belongs to that child and or is most of the time taxable to that one child right. as well. So. Right. Over the years of doing this I've learned that um, Finding out which assets are probate and non-probate is the very first step to estate planning because mm -hmm. of that situation exactly. Yeah. Um, a lot of times people have ex-spouses that are on beneficiary designations that they just didn't get around to changing or they had their first child and have their life insurance going to one child and never changed it. So it's always very important as part of this whole process to go through those beneficiary designations. And one of the things that I point out too is we have all seen companies change. Life insurance companies get bought up. Um, so when you have those beneficiary forms, to make sure you know where a copy of those forms are because they do get lost on, on the company side. I've seen right. it. So, so obviously I can see why all of these areas are very important to people. And as a financial planner, I work on the financial aspect of the estate planning. And we've collaborated together before with some clients. And it really does come down to having confidence in your plan and your legal documents. And I know we've kind of seen firsthand what can happen when a plan is flawed or the documents aren't as thorough as they should be. So um, how often do you recommend that somebody sit down and review their estate plan? I recommend that someone would review their estate plan every, every two years or so, one or two years or so, just to make sure there's no changes that have, made, that have occurred that would make you want to change or revise your estate plan. Um, in fact, I'd say most clients will have their estate planning done when, they're, when they have young families and they want to take care of the children and name guardians for them in their will. And then the estate plan kind of sits there for about 30 years until they're ready to retire. So a lot of things happen between, between those two, two points. Um, and so generally there are a lot of things that need to be updated um, during that time. So just do maybe a, a, a little clean-up session, review session every couple of years. Yep. Very similar to the financial part of it. So, um, so we've talked about the importance of the legal documents from an estate planning standpoint, but from your perspective, how critical is the financial component of the estate planning? Um, well, that, I mean, as being part of your estate, that is very important. Mm -hmm. um, so, so again, if we go back to probate versus non-probate, uh, you can still avoid probate if you have under $100,000 worth of assets that would be considered probate. So you can still have assets in your own name, even if they're probate assets, um, as long as you, they're under $100,000. You okay. can still avoid probate. Okay. Now one of the things that you mentioned earlier that I guess people aren't often aware of is how all these small pieces add up to be something quite large in their state, specifically the life insurance proceeds and how those can actually count towards the estate right. and even though the proceeds may not be taxable from an income tax perspective um, they certainly could be from an estate tax perspective so do you ever have clients asking you about ways to potentially 
remove life insurance from their estate? Um, every once in a while. So you'd have to have a fairly large estate already in order to worry about that. So currently, Illinois has an estate tax um, which starts at $4 million. So it, you don't get taxed until you have at least $4 million in your estate. Now that $4 million includes life insurance that you have, that you own, um, that would go be payable to one of your beneficiaries. So if you have uh, $2 million worth of life insurance and $2 million worth of retirement and uh, another million dollars worth of other investments, then you have a $5 million estate, which means you have an estate tax problem for Illinois. For the federal government, it's, it's a higher a threshold amount. It's $5.45 million, um, and that continual, that will be adjusted every year. So, so yeah, so if you have life insurance in that scenario and you want to get more life insurance, well, uh, you would want some various, you'd want to think about that and the estate, uh, the estate tax implications of that. So we can set up trust so that it's not in your estate, therefore it's not going to be taxed. So what you just mentioned, what, which is the trust, which is the irrevocable life insurance trust, right. and truthfully, the majority of the people may not need an estate plan where they want to necessarily remove those proceeds, although it can be done. Um, but with that being said, utilizing life insurance in your estate plan is a great way to transfer wealth to future generations and or charities. And I know on our website, um, we have a great free report that talks about how to use life insurance in your estate plan. So I guess let's talk a little bit about what your process is. If somebody is ready to either wants to sit down and review their estate plan or has never created one, what does their process look like with you? Right. Well, I know it can be intimidating going to an attorney's office or even f choosing who to go to. Um, so we make the process as, as easy as possible. It all starts with a phone call uh, to my office, the Ritchie Law Office, or an email. You'll talk to my assistant, the uh, client will talk to my assistant, and we'll set a meeting up for two or three weeks down the road. Uh, we have a very simplified uh, estate planning questionnaire that we send to clients uh, in advance. The, uh, those questionnaires would be filled out, and it just gives basic information on your finances and your family, and it also has, includes a guide on um, how, how to pick executors, guardians for your children, trustees of a children's trust, and that sort of thing. Um, so it's fairly easy to fill out. I've made it that way because sometimes you'll go, um, some, some other offices may, may have you fill out a, you know, a forms that are an inch thick. So uh -huh. I, we don't, we don't want to go through it. It's not the time to go through that, uh, that in detail of, okay. of, of that type of thing. Uh, that'll get turned in before our meeting. Also, I can take a look at it and I can be best prepared for, for our initial consult. So then we'll have an initial consultation, which lasts about an hour and we'll go through that questionnaire. We'll talk about your family, your finances, and what your estate plan goals are. Okay. From, at that point, I can make a few recommendations. I charge on a flat fee basis for all of my estate planning. Okay. So people will know up front what, what the cost will be before they're obligated to do anything. Okay. Um, if we move forward, I usually can turn around estate planning documents in a couple weeks, two to three weeks, and at that time you'll know uh, when I'll have documents done for you, uh, and when you'll come back to sign everything. So we, we keep everything on track and we get everything done. So that first appointment that they would make with you would be complimentary as a time for you to just review where they're at? Yep, it's a free consultation, so it doesn't cost anything to for that initial consult. Okay, great value there. So um, there's no reason for anyone to 
hesitate if they've got questions on that. Right. Wonderful. Okay. So um, we've covered a lot of great information today. If somebody wants to contact you or find out more about you and your practice, what should they do? Well, you can go to my website, which is uh, www.richielawoffice.com, and Richie is spelled R-I-T-C-H-I-E. Uh, or you can just call the office, uh, 309-662-7000. Great. And obviously we're hoping that um, this has provided some great information to our viewers today so you can see how financial planning and estate planning do go hand in hand. Of course, if you have any questions relating to the financial piece of it, you're welcome to contact us. Um, and then one last thing that's really important that I want to talk about. So I mentioned kind of how we know each other and the events that we've done together in the past. Um, we're both involved in Money Smart Week. We're both sponsors of the McLean County Senior Expo. Yep. Um, and we have something exciting that is coming up in the month of December. Uh, we are going to join or host a joint uh, open house for our clients. So um, invitations, I know we'll be going out to that very soon. We're going to do some really fun um, giveaways. We're going to have, I think, um, Santa stopping by, last I heard. That so, be great. so we're excited to do that in December for our clients. And then, of course, Money Smart Week and, and again, McLean County Senior Expo coming up this next year. So, with that being said, is there anything else that you would like to share with our viewers? I don't think so. I think we've covered it all. Okay. Uh, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me today. Thank you and for I'm coming. I'm looking forward to the open house. I am too. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, all right. Have a great day, and we'll see you next month.